Welcome to Battleground Politics. I'm Laura Maig. Well, the race is on for voters in the Republican primary process. We know that former President Donald Trump has been far out ahead of his Republican rivals in that process. That's what the polls tell us, both in the early states and in Pennsylvania. But what do voters themselves tell us? Well, I talked to some Pennsylvania Republican voters right after the first televised Republican debate of this primary process. And you're gonna hear from them as we have a conversation about where this race stands now and what's driving voters to make their decisions. I wanna bring in my guest for today right now. Uh, he is Christopher Boric. He is a professor at Muhlenberg College. He is also the director of the Institute of Public Opinion. Uh, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, it's my pleasure, Lori. So, uh, you know, I love talking to voters and this is something that, that you do as well. You hear from voters all the time um, as, you're, as, you're, uh, as part of your work. I love talking to voters. Uh, I love hearing what they have to say. Um, ultimately, they hold the power in determining what happens in these elections. Uh, and I wonder, you know, how often are you surprised by what voters say and do? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I'm, and I'm happy when I get to hear voters in their own voice, like you're sharing today. You know, it's it. we, we have aggregate numbers and we kind of have this big picture of where things are often in races, but it's those details, right? When you hear an individual explaining why they might feel the way they do or where they stand uh, on a race, it, it's actually very illuminating. So I uh, like those, those personal uh, contacts that, that help uh, us understand better where voters are and, and, and importantly, why they are where they are. One of the things I, I wonder about this Republican primary race is how many voters are really choosing from the entire field? You know, we had this first debate where we had everyone on stage, or not everyone, but all the candidates who qualified for that debate on stage, but no Donald Trump. The former president did not take part in that debate. Um, and I, I wonder how many voters are really um, picking from the entire field, including him, or whether there are, you know, they're either picking him or picking from that field on the stage. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, it's a great question, Lauren. And, and certainly Donald Trump, former President Trump, stands out in the field. 100% name recognition, um, but generally liked still within Republican circles uh, and Republican voters. Uh, so when you ask people in, in a poll right now, you know, who you're leaning to, he, he stands out. Um, he's miles away from any other uh, candidate uh, in the matchups. Um, and but then, it, it, what, as you said, Many Republican candidates simply don't know much about the candidates that are in the field. There's some names that have been around. Of course, Mike Pence has, you know, name recognition, too, because of being the vice president. Um, but there are a lot of candidates that Republicans are just starting to get to know a little bit more about. They might have heard their name, might have known a little bit about them historically. But now they're running for president. Um, and so this fall, I think you'll see that exposure uh, go up a little bit more of familiarity. Uh, with the candidates. And we'll see, we'll see if that has any um, ability to move the race. Again, the race, if you look at the polls right now, remains comfortably uh, Donald Trump's to lose. Uh, but of, of course, as, as we go into the campaign, and there's more exposure and more time, we'll see if that changes. Well, let's, let's take a listen to some of the voters uh, who I talked to right after that. This, this is the day after the debate. So they, it was fresh for them. 
Um, the first one that we're going to hear from is uh, Jody Della Barba from South Philadelphia. She told me that she is definitely voting for, for Donald Trump. She says if he is not on the ballot for some reason, she will write him in. So she is definitely um, in his column. Um, she told me that she actually watched both the debate and the interview that he did with uh, former Fox News host Tucker Carlson. They were on the same night. She watched the interview live and then taped the debate and watched that second. So you can see the priorities there. But I asked her specifically about a moment during that debate that you may remember where there were some boos from the audience. It was during a section of the debate where they were talking about the former president and there was some criticism of him and there were boos from the audience. The uh, moderators actually had to turn around and get him to quiet down. Well, here's what she had to say about that moment um, and uh, about the debate. I think that the boos were absolutely great. Um, there should have been more. Um, uh, some of the stuff they, they, they said was horrible, especially probably the worst one was Chris Christie. He was horrible. Was there anyone who um, did better than you thought? Yes, uh, Vivek Ramaswabi. I thought he, he was excellent. He's young, uh, he's a little inexperienced, but he's, he's got a handle on what's going on in the country. I, I thought he was great. And, and, and the way he was attacked, he held his own. He really held his own. So you see there the, uh, the danger for some of these candidates, like Chris Christie, who has not been shy about criticizing the former president. Uh, uh, the danger of doing so is that um, you're going to get reactions like that from supporters of the former president. Yeah, Lauren, um, you know, you, the pre former president has a loyal group of supporters, including Jody, um, who, who, who simply put him on a different level in terms of Republican politics. Um, and anybody that goes after him, uh, especially Republicans, uh, are going to be, for that voting block, looked at very suspiciously and negatively. And that's the risk, right? And that's why you see people like Ron DeSantis, you know, keep a, a distance in terms of going too personal, too much of an attack uh, on Trump, which m makes for an interesting dynamic, right? You have people running for office, uh, the same office, and not going after the lead candidate, which usually is not the the standard, if you will. You want to make up ground. You want to put hits on uh, that person politically. Uh, it's very, very hard. Um, and so they don't want to alienate. For example, if, if for some reason Donald Trump was to step aside in this race, a lot of the voters um, in the or of the candidates would like to get the Trump voters that that remain. And that's why, you know, as she mentioned, Vivek Ramaswamy, um, he in many ways is kind of positioning himself as as a Trump version, um, you know, different generation. Um, and perhaps if something again, if, if Trump was unable to um, to move forward in this race or, or doesn't succeed, would take on his voters. And I asked her specifically about what if a situation like that happened. Here's what she had to say. Are you looking at any of those other candidates as like a backup? No. I think he should be the nominee. I think he earned it. And uh, I think that I don't think that there should be any. I don't think anybody else could. There's, the country's in too much trouble. 
We need him to come in from day one. We don't need on the job training. I think uh, Ramaswavi has a future, just not now. Pretty loyal. Yeah, you know, it, it, again, for a lot of uh, Republicans, um, Donald Trump is is simply again on a different level in terms of their support, and and it's deep and strong. And it would be interesting, right? You know, you think into the future if if he wasn't there, what would those voters do? As she said, there's nobody else um, to do. If it becomes a choice between a Republican candidate that they they kind of like and a, a Democrat they they really despise, would they still show up to vote? And I think many would, but uh, again, on the margin, that could could affect you know things like like turnout um, at the end of a, a very competitive race. It is a really good point, and it's an important one in places like Pennsylvania, where you're going to have also a big Senate race on the ballot as well. So those down ballot candidates have to be watching all of this for what you just talked about um, that possibility that. Uh, what if Trump voters don't show up? It's it's a big issue in terms of, of 2024. You know, the former president brings in voters that might not be there otherwise. Um, he also alienates some voters um, and, and might bring them to the polls clearly to, to, to oppose him. Uh, he is this kind of dominant figure in American politics uh, till this day. Um, and his presence or absence will shift uh, the makeup of the electorate. That's it's a given. Well, so I talked to to Jody, and I also talked to and Jody says she is she is definitely voting for for uh, Donald Trump. And then I talked to another voter who says she is definitely not voting for for Donald Trump. Um, uh, her name is uh, Andrea Andrea Kellerman uh, Andrea Fellerman Kisak. Uh, excuse me, Andrea Fellerman Kisak. Uh, she has also worked with the Republican Accountability Project. Uh, and she is looking at the the field of candidates who are on that debate that debate stage for that first debate. She is looking at the folks who are are not Donald Trump. Uh, here's what she had to say the day after that first debate. Who impressed you? Um, both Nikki Haley and um, Chris Christie. Uh, it was the third. The third one was Hutchinson. I liked most of what he had to say, but as a female healthcare provider. His total abortion ban fell flat, and I cannot and will not vote for anyone um, proposing to legislate women's right to health care. Okay. Nikki Haley's um, discussion around the abortion issue um, was interesting because she was also talking about the political realities of it. How did that play for you? I got the impression that she would be very much um, like Republicans like George Bush before her. While they had their own personal views of the pro-life movement, they did not seem eager to legislate it at a federal level um, and seemed like uh, they were open to a compromise on the issue. Um, so that impressed me. So she was impressed by Nikki Haley and, and Chris Christie in there. You you see that abortion issue uh, cropping up. You know, we talk about the abortion issue as being um, a motivator in the general election. What about in the Republican primary? Is it a motivator for voters in the Republican primary? Yeah, it, it is, Lauren. Um, and and and. For a majority, the motivation is on the pro-life side, you know, and, and, and 
enacting stronger restrictions, um, continuing kind of the trend that we've seen. But there is a segment within the Republican electorate, including the voter you just spoke to, um, that on this particular issue have concerns about the direction of their party uh, and the approach that's been taken. Uh, and those can't, the, the, she was really an interesting to listen to. There, there is a group within the Republican electorate right now that, that clearly is, is anybody but Trump. Uh, and various... that's who she is. Yeah. Well, uh, not anybody, but yeah, there yeah, has to be not him. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that, that especially um, on, uh, in this race, that, that they would look at the field very openly in those candidates that she mentioned, especially for more moderate, traditional, historically traditional Republicans, somebody like um, Chris Christie or Nikki Haley, as, as she mentioned, might be a better a better match. So there is that group, right? That that group that is is kind of maybe 25% of the electorate that just wants somebody uh, else other than Trump right now. There's that maybe 30, 35, even 40% that are, it's Donald Trump or that's, that's the thing. And then there's that group that might lean Trump right now, but is still open, right? That's still open perhaps to somebody else if, if they can um, kind of win them over. Um, How but big that, is that group? Uh, that that group is maybe 25 30% you know if you look at it um that, it, that there's there's a group if you ask republicans um you know generally who they vote for we see that trump stands out if you ask them uh would they uh be open to somebody else we see a significant portion say yes still there's as i said before a really loyal core 30 40% it's trump uh but again if 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 you can coalesce support around one candidate. It's much easier said than done as a uh, alternative to Donald Trump. There is a window, right? There is a window. It's, it's difficult. And again, that would mean a coalescing of the field, which at this point is still very early to, to, to imagine. Um, I talked to, uh, I'm going to play one more person. Um, this is Craig Bird. He is a retired Lieutenant Colonel uh, in Montgomery County. And uh, he, here's here's what he had to, had to say. He he had notes of uh, of his candidate, so he was paying close attention to uh, to to what people were talking about during that debate. Here's what he had to say. Um, I've been studying uh, Ramaswamy. Okay, he he surprised me maybe a month ago, and I started doing a little digging on him, and I was like, wow. I mean, the guy is he is a cl as close in charisma to John F. Kennedy. I mean, he can really speak well, communicate well, grasps problems really, really well, but of course, no experience. Um, I thought he lived up to that expectation. He, I thought he did well. The surprise a little bit was really that, that um, and I liked Tim Scott a lot, but to me, he was the adult on stage. I, I saw everybody else, you know, backbiting and all that stuff which we don't like, it, it happens, it gets you one. Tim Scott, probably not gonna win, but I really respect his approach. And the fact that he would not be drawn into these bickering little sessions. So that really impressed me. Plus he has content. And if you go to his website, it's got good content. And when I say about content, I'm like, what are your policies and how do you, what are your priorities? How do you achieve your, your policy uh, objectives? And he's a voter who does his research. I mean, he talked to me about multiple candidates' uh, websites uh, that he is not somebody who's just, you know, 
going by the TV ads the last the last week of the election. He is doing you know significant research and looking for policies from some of these from some of these candidates. Um, so so that was that was interesting. Uh, the other thing is that you know Ramaswamy really did did get people's attention, um, and the question is, can he hold it? Yeah, it's 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 a great point. Uh, and then the voter, I think, was perhaps in that group that I had mentioned that that you know still maybe leaning Trump, uh, but open to other candidates and looking and certainly in, in his case doing the research, as you said, which is always nice to uh, nice to see. Um, and so you know, as, as we as we move forward and we kind of think about you know which candidates might rise, you mentioned Ramaswamy. He, a lot of buzz after that debate, Lauren, was was on him, right? He was the focus. If you looked at a lot of the the attention that night, he center stage. Uh, candidates were were challenging him, so he was in the spotlight a lot. Uh, he has a style that that again, you, you kind of you, Donald Trump has his own very unique style, but it, it was it was kind of that um, that really challenging uh, attack. Um, style that that a lot of Republicans say they they want in a candidate, um, and so he's he's certainly received some attention. As we'll see how he holds up historically. If you look at campaigns after a debate, some candidates get a buzz, you know, buzz of of excitement around them, um, and then for various reasons under the spotlight fade. Um, and so that that is always the potential. But certainly he's he's someone within the ranks. That is drawing lots of attention, attention and interest um, in in the in the race. How how much pressure is on him then for the second debate? Yeah, lots of pressure, right? You want to have a follow up. You want to be someone that that seems to to be gaining momentum, right? So imagine you have a flat night, or you really flounder um, in a spotlight as people start to pay attention. Uh, momentum is is a real thing, right? You start to, to lose the excitement. We've seen that with Ron DeSantis to a degree in this race, right? A lot of excitement about him earlier this year in polls that showed he was pretty competitive with, with former President Trump. And as the year's gone on, uh, he sagged and lacked momentum, and it's kind of taken away. There's, In terms of his funding, his support, um, he's someone that whose who's campaign he's had to shake up and do a lot of things. So you, you lose momentum, it's hard to, to replace. And so for someone like Ramaswamy that seems to have a bit of momentum in this race, uh, it's crucial to follow that up um, and to keep building forward. Well, he tangled on stage uh, during that first debate with uh, former Vice President Mike Pence a bit. And I wanted to play two sound bites of uh, the voters who I spoke with about Mike Pence for two different voters um, about former Vice President Mike Pence. Take a listen. Sometimes wonder if he's not a little naive, even though he's tremendously experienced. Uh, and I think that he's smart. Uh, he can get people to work together. Those are the positives. He went after Ramaswamy, and it was really evident that it's because of the, of the polls. And okay, that may appeal to some people, but for someone like me, who's really interested in your content, that aggressive nature doesn't tell me your leader any more than Chris Christie, who by the way, is his personality is more like Donald Trump than anybody else. And there he is bashing Trump for his personality, his, his character assassinations and everything. I'm like, but that's you, <laughs> your policies are, are somewhat different. 
but your your approach uh, and your character uh, on stage and and in public, and of course I've gotten to see him a number of times. I got to watch him as the governor of, of New Jersey, just across the the river here, and I was just like, okay. I thought it it, it was sad that we have come to that point where we actually have to ask people if Mike Pence did the right thing to uphold and protect the Constitution, um, and that's where Hutchinson's got points because he, he, I think he was on the right side of it as was Chris Christie. And, uh, they all eventually came around in ways, but not everybody wanted to own up to it. I mean, I, I have my issues with Pence, but at the end of the day, he saved the democracy. Would you consider voting for him for president? Absolutely not. No, he's too far right and he was a yes man for trump um he really did he did the right thing at the last minute but overall you know he was part of the problem so not a lot of love for mike pence where does that leave him it leaves him in a, a really difficult situation lauren um and you saw it in, in, from from those candidates especially the last voter um you know for for those that that may have liked what he did, you know, finally with the decisions, you know, that uh, regarding the election uh, confirmation, they say, okay, well, he did the right, right thing there, as, as she said, but they still bundle him negatively with Trump, right? That he's part of the Trump administration. And so you, you kind of win, you can't win either way. Uh, then there are those that are, you know, very strong supporters of President Trump that just see him as someone that is, is a traitor for for Donald Trump, they, they've left, he left them. Um, and, and there's lots of animosity there. So you kind of have these extremes within the, the, the camps, which are, are pretty big segments of the, of the voter group um, that have varying degrees of, of anger <laughs> with you. Um, his lane, as they say, is really, really small um, and how he can move forward and build a coalition, a type of winning coalition in the Republican field is incredibly challenging. So, um, you know, he he is someone that I think, given his standing and his vice presidency and around, will be around for a long time in this, this race. I think he'll hang around. He has a voice that he wants to share, but it's a, it's a challenging path forward for him to be a legitimate contender in this race. And, you know, we, we mentioned at the top that it will be a while until this race officially gets to Pennsylvania, but Pennsylvania is looking at moving up its primary date. Uh, those discussions are happening right now in Harrisburg with a, a number of dates being tossed around. Um, given the importance of Pennsylvania in the general election, if Pennsylvania were to be moved up um, three weeks to three to four weeks, say, you know, I think that the earliest that's being looked at is March 19th. Um, what does that do to the race right now in terms of how the candidates um, would need to think about Pennsylvania coming down the pike? Yeah, it, it would totally change it. We have been irrelevant uh, to a large degree in presidential primary politics. And that's odd for a state that's so prominent in terms of its standing in the general election. We're a star, if you will, in terms of general election races. But in primaries, we're an afterthought. Um, and uh, moving up our primary certainly increases the likelihood that we would be 
meaningfully engaged in those races, that it wouldn't be a, a done deal by the time it, it comes to the Keystone State. Um, and so I'm, I'm, we've had these debates before in Pennsylvania, discussions of it about, about trying to do what, what's moving in Harrisburg right now. I think there is some momentum this time around mm -hmm. that that might actually happen. And candidates would have to. They'd look to Pennsylvania, not only you know, because of the primary importance, but obviously thinking ahead to the general election um, and, and building relationships with voters here. Um, it, it would be a really different primary experience for Pennsylvania voters who are unaccustomed uh, largely to that type of uh, attention, especially if we were up, as, as you mentioned, in fairly early March with some other uh, big states. Um, candidates would have to look very seriously at Pennsylvania. The, the process by which um, the delegates are selected for the various conventions still recognizes the size of the states, right? And Pennsylvania is one of the biggest population states in the country. Um, and so it'd be a significant share of, of um, delegates coming from here. And more importantly, if you win Pennsylvania, uh, that, that helps your overall picture and, and uh, the, the candidate would, would certainly use that to, to keep their momentum in a race. There's also that sort of general election argument that you could make if you do well in a state like Pennsylvania that, hey, uh, I can do well in Joe Biden's backyard, basically, and I can win in a swing state. Um, that's going to be important in 2024. Indeed. Yeah. All right. Christopher Borick from Muhlenberg College, thank you so much for your time. We enjoyed having you. It's great. Thanks for having me on, Lauren. You can find more Battleground Politics on our website. Just go to NBCPhiladelphia.com slash Battleground Politics. And you can subscribe for more episodes to come on our NBC10 YouTube page or wherever you get your podcasts.